Well, hello, everyone. You pressed play today. Yep. You did that, and we're so happy you did. So how you doing? Well, Steve. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to work. Oh, well, I I just paused our podcast because I told Steve, I'm like, Steve, you have to banter with me. You have to, like, ask me questions and then, you know, lead in questions and, and stuff because I have a story that I want to start this podcast episode with. So that was his valiant attempt. That's me. Knight in shining armor. <laughs> I cannot control this guy. Oh, my goodness. Well. Here's my story. I was just going to say, after you asked how I was doing, that I'm very happy to be alive today. I'm also glad you are alive today. Are you wondering (laughs) why I'm happy to be alive today? I I I mean, mean, I'm happy to be alive every day. But specifically, this day... Okay, well, okay. Anyway, a few days ago, I was... I had dropped Memphis off at preschool, and I was walking back, and I was crossing a very busy street... And the walk signal is notoriously short. I would say for a lot of crosswalks in this country, right? Yeah, most of them are shorter than you really need. Yeah, in the States, it's like, go ahead, take your leisurely walk across the crosswalk. And here in Ecuador, it's like, you better go. Anyway, so the crosswalk sign, the walk sign had already started when I was at the other side of the street. So I was like, I really need to hustle. So I ran. I was running across the street. And I tried to plan this out as well as I could. You know, I'm in the crosswalk. The walk sign is on. Everything is good. I am hustling even more than normal. But what I couldn't account for was this huge bus coming from the opposite direction, but turning right, right in front of me. So I am in the middle of the street I have to wait for the bus to finish its turn and go along its merry way. And so I'm going to like try to go right after the bus before the traffic to my right starts coming at me. So I go, I'm like skirting around the bus and here comes a taxi turning like on the heels of the bus. And of course the taxi doesn't see me at all because there's a giant bus in front of it. And so I literally have to jump and like while I'm in the air, I have to turn my body and of course scream really loudly and do this like hop step. I'm imagining these moves were very similar to what you'd find in the Matrix. Yes, thank you, babe. I mean, you call it a hop step, but we're gonna call it something more Matrixy. Okay, like what? You know, when you- Lean back and you have to... If you could only see what Steve is doing right now. (laughs) So I I screamed. I got to the curb. I was very close, but that taxi never saw me. Definitely never saw me. Did not care about me. And yeah, so I'm just out here making a fool of myself once again. It had nothing to do with the language either. No, there was no language barrier on this one. This was just straight up making a fool of myself. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. I'm Steve. We're here working through what drives, motivates, and inspires us to act. Whether it's a career, a religion, a family, or in today's episode, micromanaging, does it even make us happy? So, Jen. Yes, Steve? Figuring this relates more to your life than mine. (laughs) 
I why, can't imagine why. Why do you micromanage things? Listen, this is the central question of this episode. Yes, did I choose this topic? I did, okay? I admit it. Is this more of a problem for me than it is for Steve? Sure. But I think this is an issue that a lot of people have. So we're going to talk about it, Steve, whether you like it or not. I have been micromanaged into talking about this, yes. <laughs> yes! Um, yeah, why do we micromanage? Why do we micromanage others? And, are you guys ready for it? Drum roll, please. Why do we... <laughs> I mean, you can keep that if you want. Why do we micromanage our own lives? So, of course, we'll start out with some personal stories, either being micromanaged or what Jen likes to do with her own life. I'm working on it. Anyway, so we usually take this into consideration when we're at work, a place of employment, where we have a manager. Oh, I see what you did there, Stephen. Does your manager micromanage you? Right. So if you're given an assignment or a job or a mission to complete, are they looking over your shoulder? Are they making sure you're doing it the way they would do it? Or are you given the freedom to just solve that problem on your own? Yeah. And there are different kinds of situations here. Of course, sometimes you maybe you need a little bit of micromanaging from an authority figure to help you get started or give you some guidelines, that kind of thing. But ultimately, my philosophy here is if you got hired to do a job, then you should be able to do that job, um, perhaps with a little help, a little guidance, but without being micromanaged. Also, let's keep in mind here that if you're hired to do the job, you are presumed to have the skills to do that job, and the person managing you might not even have those skills to do said job. Oh, I had a boss. We'll just use that term, even though we're in education. I had a boss who famously would say, oh, I do not micromanage. I don't, I do not do that. I'm so against micromanaging. And then this human would proceed to try to micromanage everything possible. <laughs> like, what assignments are in your grade book? How many essays do you do every week? Are the students getting enough practice? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all that, all that fun stuff. But let's say someone tries to manage how you do something mathematically, like, say, run your grade book, and they don't understand how math works. Jen and I have lived this scenario. We could digress into many hours of why total points method of grading. <laughs> we could do an entire podcast episode on why total points is better than categories, people. And yet, we continue to have educators, fellow educators, who have become now principals or department heads trying to micromanage our ability to do math. That's just not a good idea with Steve. Just throwing that out there, if anyone listening knows Steve, do not do this, please. With some things, sure. Math, don't do it. Anyway, there are other things that happen outside of the job where we might micromanage or be micromanaged. Let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about sex, baby. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about you and me. That's for later, right? After this. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. So you might have a friendship where it's maybe more one-sided than the others, where you can only get together certain times for certain things, certain events, only coffee, <laughs> only at a certain uh, coffee shop. Like That is overly micromanaged. I mean, that just doesn't even sound like a friendship. That doesn't sound like something I would want in my life. Have you not had one like that? Maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps I have. <laughs> 
Well, this is where we we get personal, Jen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you might have a friend like this where you do enjoy being together and you do enjoy getting together, but it's almost always on the other person's terms. I, I think that might be a little bit of the the micromanaging a relationship. And we keep using micromanaging. It's a word that just has more syllables than control, really. And uh, so you have these friendships, perhaps, that one person is controlling and the friendship is on their terms. I think plenty of people deal with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess as long as you're still enjoying your time with that person and it doesn't bother you, it's okay. But uh, I don't know. Over time, if it continues... And it's always just a friendship on their terms. Maybe it's not really a friendship. Maybe not. Let's go to another one. This one hits close to home for anyone who's ever volunteered with a church. Specifically, (laughs) a church. We are Red Weather Christians. Christians, remember, people? Anyway, the idea behind volunteering in general is that you are freely giving of your time and abilities to whatever endeavor you are both a part of. Sounds nice. Sounds like we we need people like that in this world. Let's just say this task was handing out bulletins, (laughs) if they still exist. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now, the rule would be only one bulletin per person. The the rule, I like that, yeah. There are rules to this. Of course. And the head bulletin passer-outer would make sure that you know the rules. The rules. Oh, man. And then they watch you pass out the bulletins. You better not mess up. As if you could screw that up. There are always infinitely more printed bulletins than anyone is ever going to take. You're never going to run out. Yeah, that that is normally the truth. And it's just not a difficult job. Are you saying this because it's happened? Has this happened to you? Has somebody said like, hey, Steve, um, hey, yeah, I noticed that you you actually slipped a couple of bulletins to that one person over there and we're going to need to talk about that and... Uh, did you get the memo about the TPS reports? I'm trying to be a little bit more general. I don't know if this has specifically happened to me, but I'm imagining that when I was a middle schooler volunteering for things and I might have passed out bulletins, that there was somebody looking over my shoulder because I was only 12 and passing out pieces of paper to people walking through the door was a little bit difficult. <laughs> okay. And the other thing I want you to remember about this is that's whether that's true or false, real or imaginary scenario There are situations where volunteers are treated like... Idiots. Yes. (laughs) For lack of a better word. And let's be honest, volunteers are an asset. They are free labor. Yeah, you should probably treat them well. So when you treat volunteers poorly, they just leave. Peace out. And when you treat a volunteer poorly, they don't just leave from volunteering. They might leave that church altogether. Right, right, right. We could dive into all that too with just being a human in a church and feeling like you're being micromanaged, but we won't. We won't right now. And again, not that the case with the passing out of bulletins is that tricky, but if you have a volunteer willing to do the job, whether they know it well or not, I'll give my own example of running the soundboard. Didn't really know how to run a soundboard, probably could do it, (laughs) but definitely would be willing to take some pointers. However, When someone who I know has less skill at it than I do tries to help me or tries to tell me, did you try that? I'd be like, wow, (laughs) wow, that is illuminating. I never even thought of that. 
Yeah, no, it's like tech support and you're having a problem with your iPad or whatever. And it's always like, well, did you power it down and power it back up? It's like, yes, I did. I did. I did that. One of the first things I did was that. You have to jump through those hoops, even though you jumped through all those hoops so many times that you finally got to the point you had to call a call center. So why do we do that? Yeah, why do we feel like we have to micromanage others? Like, is this some kind of power trip, Stephen? Well, let's talk about our kids for a second here. Now, they're terrible at doing just about everything. Oh, come on now. We just went on a pretty difficult hike today, and they did very, very well. Yes, but there were points where it's, I know, I was telling Memphis, just one foot in front of the other, buddy. And then you had to put them in the backpack. Or, hey, that fence isn't actually sturdy. Don't go near it. Or, or that's a barbed wire fence. And you have to say that four, five, 24 times. That feels like micromanaging. Yeah, you're right. And so sometimes it's what we believe to be controlling the situation in the best interest of everybody. Right, or safety when it comes to our kids. And because we can say that, we can use that as a justification for all the micromanaging we do. I think the other one with kids and with parents micromanaging them is efficiency. Like the parents know like, okay, if I just tell them how to do it this way, it'll get done faster. And if it gets done faster, we can move along to the next thing that we want to do. And it's busy, busy, busy all the time. Also with kids, as far as micromanaging, I think of when I have them help me in the kitchen. And it's always like, I have to mentally brace myself ahead of time. I have to tell myself, I have to walk through some things in my brain before we begin. Like, it's going to be messy. You're going to be okay, Jen. You can clean it later, Jen. Jen, it's going to be okay because they're going to be learning and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Because you guys know if you've had your kids help you in the kitchen, it's awful. (laughs) Awful. But And good. But you know it's good for them and you know it's helping them, like just bringing them into the process is a good thing and helping them understand how cooking works is a good thing. All the good things. It's just when you are a human who is already stretched for time and you're already feeling a little stressed in your own life or that you just have a very limited amount of time. Doing those things is difficult because it always takes longer and then cooking is just a huge mess, like hurricane comes through the kitchen. And yet, with kids in particular, if you do this right, a lot of times they will ask you how to do that thing you've asked them to do. Or they'll ask, how much flour do I need? And they'll be holding different measuring cups and like this one or this one. And that's the beauty right there. That's the catch, that you're not micromanaging if, you, if they ask for it. They ask for it. They're asking for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I was also thinking, though, kind of on the flip side, that sometimes my firstborn, especially our firstborn, sorry, uh, he likes to know exactly how to do everything before he tries anything, which can also be a bad thing. So he'll be like, how exactly do I do this? And I'm like, just do your best. And I don't give him guidance and I let him do it. Certain things, not everything, <laughs> of course, but like cracking an egg I'll kind of let him see me do it maybe and then just be like, do your best. And he's so frightened. I don't know of what, like getting a shell in there or 
making a mess, spilling it on the counter and not putting it where it needs to go. I don't know. But sometimes I just have to say, just do your best and forget the rest. Thanks, Paw Patrol. (laughs) So why do we do this with other adults? Or our students, right? Don't we do this? Like teachers do this with their students and it's kind of the worst. (laughs) And I, I tried to be very mindful not to ever be that kind of teacher. Or it's like, give them guidance, give them enough guidance so that they can do the assignment without literally walking through every step with them. Anyway, we try. Right, so there, we worked with high school age students, so that was a little bit more responsibility on their part. But then adults, why can't we just let the adult do what they're gonna do? Are we so concerned that they're gonna do it wrong? I think sometimes it's like a situation where if you are the manager, it reflects poorly on you. So then knowing that, you try to go in and preempt any mistakes that your employees might make. But you guys, remember, the mistakes are how we learn. Well, and when we do that, we we build distrust between adults. Like telling them, I don't know if you're capable of doing this, Jen. I I probably need to do this with you or for you entirely. Yeah, it makes you feel like, oh, I can't. I can't do this on my own. And if you go into a job with that mindset, uh, hello, that's not going to be a good situation long term. If you think that you can't do anything unless you get help from your authority figure. And let me mention it again, that if said manager is incompetent at the thing that they're trying to manage you with, that's also a very difficult point of conflict. Yeah, you should probably get out of that situation. Okay, but that that's all kind of basic stuff, you know, like why do we micromanage others? Why are we being micromanaged? Like this happens. It's pretty normal, I'd say. But then here's the real question. You ready for it, Steve? Almost. <laughs> Why do we micromanage ourselves? This seems totally counterintuitive because micromanaging has a negative connotation. Am I right? Like we don't want to be micromanaged. We know that it's a bad thing. But here we are in our own lives micromanaging ourselves. I'd like to add that in this case, sometimes we feel like we can't even do the general managing of life. Yikes. We can't do all the big things. It's too overwhelming. And so micromanaging makes us feel like we're doing something. Like, are you talking about the minutia? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, I feel like we need to come up with some kind of phrase for this that uses emails. Because I think it's always emails, right? Like, that sucks up your time. Like, answering this email, forwarding this email, email. And then it's like, oh my gosh, where has my workday gone? But you've done so many things. So many emails. But anyway, we do this in other ways too, as far as micromanaging our own lives. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the semblance of control. We like to feel like we're in control and we think that we are. But here's the big secret, everybody. We're not. We're not in control. Like I thought I was in control crossing that crosswalk. And I was not. Had I not done my matrix move, I would have gotten hit by a taxi (laughs) and died. Whoa, whoa. Well, that's a slippery slope there. Uh, Death. It always goes straight to death. Maybe maimed, but maybe not dead. A great example of this is anytime you have done something with your diet. 
Oh, yeah. This one makes me sad. Because so many people fall into this trap of like, oh, if I just follow this diet, everything will be better, you know? Which, if you've talked to Jen long enough, one of the main things for dieting is sleep. I mean, I wouldn't call it dieting. I don't even like that word. I don't want to use it. But yes, I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Number one for your health is getting enough sleep. Sleep is number one. Nutrition is number two. Exercise is number three. Is there a distance between those first, second, and thirds? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, let's just keep it simple, okay? Get enough sleep, step one. Right, so if you were to manage your life, Make sure you're getting sleep. That's not a micromanage. That's managing your life properly. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's a good thing. And then if you're going to micromanage every single meal, you think you're in control of your your nutrition and your health, and you're not. Oh, my gosh. This makes me think of that, like counting macros. or I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) But I know it's something that is floating out there in the nutrition, health, wellness world. And it just seems like a lot of work and counting and math for just like eating food. The math part's fine. Uh, I don't think so, though. I don't think so when it comes to food. I mean, yeah, okay. I take it back. I think it's okay to look at the numbers. Like, look and see how much sugar is in (laughs) this package of M&Ms that you want to scarf down and realize, whoa, that's more sugar than I should probably eat in a day. I mean, yeah, it's about balance, right? Balance. There's a Midwestern accent. Well, I am wearing my Packers jersey today, so... Go Pack Go! Hey, did I say it right? We did, (laughs) and we met, just to reference our other episode, we did meet another Packers fan on our hike today. Yes, we did. He uttered the words, Go Pack Go. I heard it. Yeah, so, you know, I was... Wearing a hat at that time that that told everyone, I'm a Packers fan. Yeah, yeah, it was great. The other reason I think that we uh, inadvertently, or advertently, maybe, micromanage our lives is because it's pretty easy to do with the technology that is available to us. We have this thing called Data Made for Private Use. I like to call this, uh, by its acronym name, DIMPU. We have DIMPU. Like apps and watches that track data, but it's for us, right? It's not necessarily supposed to be shared with the world. Like, hey, everybody, my menstrual cycle is coming up. Just wanted to let everybody know. But you do have an app for that. And then I don't. I I actually don't either. (laughs) Side note for all the ladies listening. I would delete that app if I were you, if you live in the United States. It's a crazy, like, big brothery place right now with uh, all that. But this this data that is available through apps and, like, smartwatches, yeah, it tracks all our personal stuff. Our steps, our calories burned, heart rate, sleep cycles, menstrual cycles, at GPS, which is can be a kind of scary thing, too. But I think that we, we get pulled into all of that. It's kind of like for me, it's kind of fascinating. Like I am interested to to know how many steps I've taken or like what my sleep cycles are or my heart rate when I'm running and my pace and stuff like that. So it's interesting on the one hand, but I think there is definitely a balance because when we are tracking all of that stuff, it can make us go a little crazy. I don't use any of these apps or a lot of social media. This does not affect my life. Yeah, but I think a lot of people do. A lot of people have the smartwatches. A lot of people have their apps on their phones that that track all the things. 
And we can get sucked into feeling like that is putting us in control of our lives. And then if we don't get the amount of steps in a day, we feel X, Y, Z emotions. No, no. You just shake your wrist when you're in bed. (laughs) And then it counts the steps. Yeah. But then when you share Dimpu on social media, it can be accountability, sure. And that can be good-ish. But it can be stressful, too, because social media is a whole other thing. I am mildly active on social media and I do enjoy it and I do post things, but I have to find balance. And there are lots of people who feel like if I don't post every single day with this data, which is really personal, then I'm going to lose my audience or whatever, whatever it is. But all of this tracking and monitoring And all this semblance of control, it's exhausting and it can make us crazy. Right. And I feel great and I don't have any of those things. So you you can have that too. This is my advocacy. Are you talking to me or are you talking to our listeners? Everybody who's listening (laughs) who wants to have some semblance of a good life, I feel like I have that. And I have none of those social media apps. Steve is just always playing online chess. And now he's discovered Minesweeper, which he downloaded on his phone. And he's always playing Minesweeper solitaire like these old school games minesweeper is way better than solitaire let's just put it out there really yeah, minesweeper you have to think you could just tap the screen for solitaire and that's it would... true that's true confession i i also downloaded minesweeper today Woo! <laughs> anyway i think we have chatted a little bit about why micromanaging is bad uh it's exhausting to be in control all the time you might feel guilt or shame or embarrassment when things don't come out perfectly. And it's so much work that you are putting into your lives that you don't need to be. Which makes me think, have you heard of quiet quitting, Steve? I think you mentioned it to me. (laughs) Okay, yes, I had mentioned it to you, Steve. I was trying to banter again, okay. Uh, That's how I do. Trying to do a podcast with Steve. Come on. I dare you. So I don't know. Maybe we could take a little application from quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is the idea of doing only what is required of you at your job, which can be good or bad. Again, there's balance, but it's all about not going above and beyond. Now, I do think that there is a time and place in your job to go above and beyond. I think that can be an okay and good thing. When is that? Give me an example. Perhaps when you are trying to work your way up in a company and you want to show them like I am dedicated and you have the time to do that and it's not taking you away from like your kids or other things that are more important or whatever. And that's like the time in your life and you want to put in that work and you want to do that and it makes you happy. Okay. I'm not sure if that covered it. But but anyway, on the other side of it, it's the idea of just doing what's required. And I think we could take a little application of that to our micromanaging our own lives. Because who is asking us to do this? Who is telling us, who is micromanaging us to micromanage our lives? Nobody. Yeah, so stop doing it, maybe. (laughs) Maybe just try. I don't know. You can do the bare minimum, which is have an open Facebook account where people can contact you (laughs) if that even matters. Steve is referencing his own account here. So I do have one social media account. Yes. But just to clarify, we are not saying that you shouldn't go above and beyond in your own lives. I mean, hello. Like, we want to live a great (laughs) life. We want to enjoy it to its fullest. We want to be 
great parents, we are just saying that maybe ease up on that control element of it. And the social media accountability. I will have to admit I'm on one other technically social media account. It's called Goodreads. We've referenced it. And I had... Friend me on Goodreads. I had to bring this up because it was, I don't know, a couple years ago now where I told Jen, you have to cut back on the number of books you set for your goal. You can still read 50 books in a year, but stop with the goal setting. Because it was starting to stress me out. I was like, oh my gosh, it's, okay, it's October. I have X amount of books left. I don't know if I'm going to make it. What am I going to do? I'm just like trying to robot read through these pages and I'm not enjoying the books. I'm just trying to finish them. And it was taking her away from her family. Yeah. So now my goal is 45. (laughs) No, no. I told her to get it down to 40. Then she read 45. Then she reset her goal for 45 because she figured she could do that But I think I'm going to get to 50 this year. (laughs) It doesn't matter how many you actually read. Set the goal high enough to instill some sort of motivation, but then low enough that you can attain it and not wreck your life. All right. So how can we ease up on micromanaging? Don't have all the apps. Maybe don't wear a smartwatch every minute of the day. If you are a runner, I would definitely suggest running without a watch sometimes. If this elicits gasps from our listeners, you, my friend, need to do this. Because there's a world out there when you're running, or there should be. Get off the treadmill. Is this a metaphorical treadmill? Absolutely. But you didn't need to say it because that kind of ruined it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This next point is... Just don't plan sometimes. I feel like, Steve, you resonate with this one pretty well. I do great at not planning. Yes. I have gotten so much better at not planning. Except that you want me to plan more. I do sometimes. I'm like, Steve, I wish you'd just plan a fun trip for us and just take care of all the details. Anyway, I do have something to say (laughs) about this point that is serious. And that is, you guys know this, but creativity often comes when our minds are at ease, when they're relaxed. Maybe when we're doing a somewhat tedious task, or maybe like when we're on a hike or we're doing meditation or yoga. I would hope that you're thinking. Yes, but our brain is relaxed. Your brain (laughs) is relaxed is what I'm saying. Like that's what it's all about is like kind of emptying everything out and maybe focusing on only one thing or trying even to just blank out your brain completely, which, yeah, have fun with that. But also maybe when you're like taking a shower or something, don't put on music or just have it quiet. Just be in the shower with your own thoughts or even when you're taking a poo. But I also said that's a great time to read a book. Yeah, but sometimes I'd say just just poo. Just poo. Don't bring a book and see what your brain says to you. Are you telling that to me or everybody else? Because they're on their phones. Both. Well, yeah. Get off your phone, people. Don't bring your phone to the toilet. That's gross anyway. Right. And the real world is out there. When you poop in the real world. (laughs) When you have your phone, when you're taking a poo, it usually takes you five to ten minutes longer because you're on your phone. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely done that. I bring my phone in with me. But your book is on your phone. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm like on social media or doing dumb stuff or whatever. Minesweeper. Quick selfie. Oh, stop. (laughs) Oh, gosh. No, no. Never done that. So if you want to avoid micromanaging, but you still feel like there should be some management in your life, like managers exist. Yes. Managing your own life is a good thing. You know, like 
knowing what your finances are and... All of those things. Yes. Yeah. We, we could spend more time on that. Parenting. But uh, essentially taking care of the big things is you're managing. You're managing life. It doesn't need to be the micromanaging of making sure that my kid eats at least four green beans and three tomatoes when dinner comes around. That's... Or even like the minute-to-minute scheduling that probably some of us do. It's like, you know what? You have to leave time for life to just happen because it's going to anyway, like the bus. Right. And then (laughs) in reference to the bus taxi scenario, the communication broke down. The crosswalk communicated you cross cross that street. Do it. Go now. The light and the traffic patterns were communicating to the bus and the taxi, quick, turn right. And so- If you think of that in more personal terms, you do want to have open line of communication, which can just be, hey, we're headed to the park. You want to meet us there? Listen, friends, when we stop micromanaging everyone and their brother and ourselves, our brains will be able to relax. A little bit more. A little bit more. We might find ourselves thinking about interesting things. Crazy things, too. Creative things. Like what your dreams are made of. Or or solutions to problems. Your actual dreams when you're sleeping. Those kind of weird things. Okay. You know, listen, life is going to come <laughs> at us no matter what we do. Life is going to come at us like a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> you simply cannot control everything. And if you try, you're going to burn out. Wow. <laughs> We are Red Leather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. We hope you'll feel empowered to question the rules you follow. Fear mediocrity. And keep the conversation going. Hey, 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 everybody. If you're enjoying Red Brother Christians, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. That's what that was. I don't even, I've never even watched that. Seriously, Steve, doing a podcast with you, something else. What I was going to say is, hey, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you do that, you're going to think of it now. Want to share Red Weather Christians on social media, even though we just talked about how bad social media is? Hey, 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 it's Van Albert. Cool, thanks so much. (laughs) But we have a good reason why you should share, and that is we'd love to reach more people to open up the conversation even more. Hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. <laughs>